Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Yagma Soap Opera. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. I'm Andy, a.k.a. Montolio, and I'm joined by my regular co-host Josh, a.k.a. Cronin, and we are joined by our resident green-white-black hate friend Justin today. How are you guys doing? Good, how are you? Doing pretty good. Just so you know, our green-white-black hate friend is Duranoff. Previous guest on the show and returning... No Zach today. That's okay. We got a good show today, guys. We are going to be talking about our CQ League 2 round 1 results and our round 2 matchups. We also have two daily events to talk about. So we've got a packed show. Lots of good stuff to talk about. So with all of that said, why don't you take us in, Josh? All right. We've got uh, round 1 results in the bag now. And uh, we've just started... Started our round two uh, games. I haven't played yet. I don't. I don't know if you guys have played, but we'll take a look at uh, the first result, which is Ilskin against NCSU Thirty One SB, and it was a Turbo Tez deck against an Affinity deck. And Turbo Tez actually managed to take that down. It's a little surprising, Jeez, I'm I think. Surprised? I wouldn't have think that 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 would uh, take down Affinity. Yeah. But, I mean, I looked at his deck list, and he's capable of some really, really fast plays. And I also played him this week, um, and it was just interesting to see some of the really quick stuff he could do. So I can see with Affinity having, like, no disruption versus him, and being able to, like, go off two and two or three, and, like, just get the combo on the table. Yeah, he's got to watch out for uh, Revoker. Yeah. But uh, he's got yeah. Hercules, so... So Four can... Voltia keys, my goodness gracious. Yeah, that's quite a few. So, who's this next guy that played here? I don't know, I've never seen him before. Um, the next match was me on my green, white, black hate versus Lantesque, which I think is Huffy Henry. Yeah. Um, and he was on Merfolk. Uh, I managed to take this one down uh, two to one. Um, in the first game, um, it was pretty standard. I don't remember who won the die roll, but I was just getting creatures out, and I managed to get out an Elvenwald Tracker, which uh, pretty much just decimated all the merfolk he was able to get on the table. Um, so that one took me to victory there. Uh, the second game, he was able to get out too many of his lords and just ran over me. And then the third game was uh, the most interesting one, actually. I had a weird hand, um, but I had two tutors, and I uh, what ended up happening is I tutored at the end of his turn uh, for Stoneforge Mystic, and then on my turn I tutored for uh, Batter Skull. Uh, he didn't counter either, and uh, I got uh, I'm sorry, wait Stone yeah Stoneforge Mystic. Then I demonic tutored for the Cavern of Souls, and I put it down uncounterable, and I got the Batter Skull into play, and he wasn't able to do anything about it. So that's what got me to the victory then in game three. Yeah, I could see that batter skull being excellent that match. And we actually have this match recorded if we ever get it posted, hopefully. This is an interesting one. So next up we have 
Game Master 32 is Kea, who is on Green White Hate, and he is playing Scorpio, who is on Hermit Druid. And we talked about this match a little bit in last week's podcast. And just to reiterate, I took a little bit of a flack there from our co hosts, Zach and Josh, saying that they thought the Game Master had this one at Green, green and White Hate, and they were wrong because Scorpio won this match with Hermit Druid. That's what I have to say about that. Whatever, man. Take her away, Josh. I still think I was correct. <laughs> so up next, we got Philip J. Fry on Dredge against Clan Mick Cat Weasel on Good Game Shoth. And Cat Weasel took that one down. Very nice. That one's always a coin flip as to who's going to take that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next, we had. Blue Diamonds on GG Oath versus Bald Eagle on Noble Fish. And not surprisingly, in my opinion, uh, GG Oath was able to take this down versus the Fish. So that's a match you don't like seeing as a as a Fish player, is that Oath deck? Uh, that Oath deck can give you problems. Yeah, is Blue Diamonds the guy that's playing straight up good game with no show and tells? Um, Did you talk about last week? I think that's... Um, What's her name? Um, the Sadistic Black Doll. Oh, okay. Yeah, he does have one Dragon's Breath in his deck. Yeah, but he oh. doesn't have Show and Tell either. Show and Tell. Okay. He's got some Jaces and some Lightning Bolts and stuff. Staff of Balance. Yeah, Balance, balance is sweet. Similar. I wouldn't want to see Balance against me. <laughs> Okay, so next up we have our friend Naoto, who is playing Four Color Gush Control, and he is playing the Wild Dog, who is on O Storm. And the Wild Dog was able to win this one. Uh, I think we talked about it again last week, and this is a really tough match. Take your pick, but Josh was able to take it down. Probably just can overpower that Naoto's deck a bit. Uh, the old storm is, is, is a pretty versatile deck. It can get you from a couple different angles. You got to watch for the old combo for Bin Orchard North, and uh, of course he can. Uh, is he running Empty the Warrens in this deck? Uh, I've played him in testing. I know he was running it in that. Uh, Empty the Warrens adds a whole other dimension to the deck as well. No, he's not. No. But he has the storm kill with the tendrils. So. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah, nice deck for sure. What's up next year? Up next we got Planet Walls. Continuing to build interesting decks that he wins with on a blue-white Frost Titan control list against Cram 7 on three-color Delver. And he took it down. Very nice. Josh, who's next here? Um, well, wow. next <laughs> was uh, Pyrite199 on Shoth versus Storm on Metalworker Stacks, and Metalworker Stacks was able to take that one down. I'm guessing you just got him under tons of those uh, mana controls. I forget what they're called now. Spheres? <laughs> yeah, there we go. I lost the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh... Sometimes Stacks just has really broken draws that put Oath too far behind. Yeah, die rolls really big in that match. 
Next up, we got uh, Bag of Crabs on Shoth versus Green, White, Black, Hate from the Maniac. And his is a little little different than what you and uh, Justin are playing, Andy. And a little more traditional towards the Green, White variant. Uh, sort of splashing for Dark Confidant. And looks like he was actually able to take that one down, so... Yeah, this guy's deck is actually quite well slated for the metagame right now in this tournament because we have uh, high problems of both both and we've got um, the stacks as well. So with having the three Relic Warders in there, Thalia is really good in this matchup. Uh, you know, a couple of Kataki's War Wage main deck. This is uh, looking slated to do quite well in the tournament. Also has a true believer sideboard. Yeah, I go with the wild dog would love that. Storm yeah. the bottle there. You just, you just kill it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so next up we have Wolf, who is playing his typical affinity against our our friend Fist Alpha, who is on his three color fish build with just a short with Sage intact. And yeah, Affinity was able to win this, which uh, I I don't think it's really a surprise here. I know Fistalpha and his deck does have some pretty good sideboard hate and some serenities and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he actually has four serenities. Yeah, he. I oh. thought he had a good chance there. Oh, yes, absolutely. Having seen that, I'm actually a little bit surprised that he was, that the Wolf was able to win that. But, yeah, I'd be interested to know how fast that one went down, whether it was a game or two. Congratulations to the Wolf. Next up, we've got a clanmate, Scott or Enderfall, running the tournament, and looks like he's doing a good job in it as well. He played a three-color fish deck and won against Endless Nameless on a Cat Stacks deck. That's probably about what you would expect. Yeah, Enderfall actually has his article up on MTGO Academy. It has this match there, so for the viewers who were looking to see it, that's where you need to go. And it's actually a pretty good match. It went two, three games, and it was uh, it was tight. Yeah, Enderfall in the end though was able to uh, to take them down. I assume Planet Walls and Chris Cool are putting theirs up over there as well. Well, I know Planet Walls in his first matchup. I haven't seen Chris Cool's. Well, he'll likely put his up as well, I would think, and. Up next, we have, who is this guy? Fellow green-white-black-hate brother. Yeah, I, I actually talked about the matchup in detail last podcast, so I won't get into that, but I was able to take it two games to one against uh, pretty good fish players, so uh, was a little bit fortuitous in the match, but I will take it. So... We move into another Cat Stacks deck with DigiDigi84, and he played against Uncle on Shoth, and he managed to win that one. <coughs> the Cat Stacks is on a revival, uh, as Zach would say, he's bringing Sexy back. <laughs> I guess he can do some pretty quick damage with those Slash Panthers to get ahead of that Shoth deck. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good deck. I actually was very much in love with Cat Stacks for about six months until I recently reverted back to the Meta Warper builds. It's, it's, it's a very solid deck. Jace does not like Cat Stacks. No, certainly not. It's 
Speaking of Jace. Yeah, next. Uh, we have Foil Tarmogoyf Onju on Jace Raider versus Cow Nose on three color Delver. And uh, Delver was able to take this one down. I'm still so interested in this deck from Foil Tarmogoyf Onju because it's just all built around Jace and controlling the game until he can land one of his very few threats and it's pretty pretty interesting build. Yeah. It's a very nice build now actually. He uh, can crucible block you, but I can see where a bunch of creatures would be tough for him to deal with. Yeah, especially a turn one Delver. Yeah. But you have to also realize that you look at his deck here, he has got all sorts of outs to Delvers. I mean, he's got mental missteps, does the counter spells, he's got uh, two Terminus in his deck. Like, Fish deck would just curl to that. He's also running Engineered Explosives, two of them. Yeah. Accelerator yeah, Temptations. Uh, he's got lots of outs to, to quick threats. He's probably better suited against a, a Fish deck that doesn't have counter magic. Yeah. Oh my cars. Yeah, he can just blow you guys out with a terminus or something. I'm almost sure he'd be scared of our deck. Oh, sure. With you running it. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice deck though, nonetheless, uh full termico for with you. And congratulations to Countos. Another clan mate. So next up here, we have got the crisp on his dredge list and he was playing Lord Sapphire with stacks and it looks like Lord Sapphire was able to win which this is another one of those 50-50 matches die roll is really big and I think we talked about it last week that Lord Sapphire is running two tabernacles at Pendrel Vale on the sideboard in addition to four graph diggers and a Tormat's crypt which are all extremely good against uh, dredge yeah. I love those tabernacles. Yep, tabernacles, sweet. Of course, uh, you know, with dredge, they cheat on their lands. I think uh, the average deck runs 10 to 12 that are not bazaars. You know, when you're making zombie tokens, good luck paying for tabernacle. Yeah, your only uh, fear is that you won't get a threat out and they'll kill you with Icarids. Icarids can do it. Regardless, nicely done. So, up next, we've got Fishy Fellow on Shoth against a clan made Mooncon on Merfolk. Looks like Mooncon was able to take that one. And I think that's probably a fairly tough match for an Oath deck. Um, getting, getting that Island Walk, if they don't hit a Dragon's Breath, I think that they're likely to be dead in that matchup. Yeah, if they're getting their lords down, speed can sometimes just overwhelm if they don't get that instant kill. Yeah, without that Dragon's Breath, it gives them that extra turn to attack for a million island walking you. Yeah, the key to that match is for Shoth is being able to get down an early Oath of Druids, and if they're able to resolve that, there's not a whole lot that Merfolk can do. But if they don't have that oath combo, uh, you know, getting the oath down on the table early, Merfolk is just going to roll over them because the island walk and the lords is just going to eat you alive, as you just said. But yeah, 
It looks like Fishy's got, or I mean, uh, Mooncon's got more outs than some of the decks. He's got two bouncers and two phantasmal images. Yeah, both nice tech against oath, particularly in this field. You guys notice that Clan Magic Eternal seems to be doing really well so far in this first round? It's looking good. Yeah. Once again, we've got to wonder about that tournament organizer, whether he's making things a little sweeter for us over here at Clan Magic Eternal. Well, he beat a Magic Eternal member, so... Well, naturally. I'm just teasing you, Scott. Who's up next here, guys? Up next, uh, we have Ivatha on Noble Fish versus Tommy Topdegger Decker on uh, Blue Black Delver. Uh, and Blue Black Delver was able to take down the Noble Fish. Yeah, these are both pretty interesting builds. I mean, in fairness to Tommy Topdecker, it's basically Mono Blue Delver. Um, but Uvasa, I, I do like that list that he's got. Meddling mages and stuff. It's basically uh, the list that you guys are running playing blue instead of playing black. I think that's a pretty bad comparison, Josh, but we'll let that one go. <laughs> it's completely true. I do like seeing the nice reliquary in there. If you were to make your deck in blue instead of black, this is how you would make it. Holy catfish, where is Zach when I need him? He'd be all over you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Well, I'm sure I'm correct if you want to leave a comment. Um, <laughs> Telling me that I'm correct, I'd appreciate it, everyone. And I'll take us into the next one with Bobby Fine playing Green Black uh, Fish Control against our good co-host Zach on his Blue White Squadron Hawk deck, and Zach managed to pull that one out. Just uh, for the viewers that listened last week, uh, I made a proclamation that Bobby Fine was going to beat Abstract, and, uh, well, I stand corrected. Shocking. Okay, so next up we've got Mopingo 2 on blue-red standstill versus another clan made back nuts, playing three-color Delver, and Bact was able to win this one. I think we talked a little bit about this one last week, and... We kind of were thinking this was pretty even. And yeah, both have really nice lists. And yeah, garage and four rest in peace in the sideboard too for backups. Nice piece of tech there that hits lots of different archetypes. So yeah, congratulations, back. Up next, it looks like we had Blyvin seven three one on Dredge versus Xtho thirteen X on Metalworker Stacks, and it looks like Stacks was able to take down Dredge this time on the coin flip. Yeah, I think uh, Blyvin messaged me about this one and said he didn't find a Dredger in like his top fifteen cards or something like that. So, ouch, that's never good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean. Stacks is uh, is not bad against Dredge. It's a pretty reasonable matchup. No, it, die roll is really huge there. And you just find, you know, I just find you don't need as many pieces of hate because you can lock them out so they can't kill them. So. Yeah, I 
it would just be the difference. I mean, I, as I said, die roll is extremely important. If you can get a sphere down turn one against Dredge, it, it deactivates all their cards like, you know, Cabal Therapy, <coughs> uh, Dredge Return, which slows it back down significantly. I mean, if all you have to deal with are Narcomebers and Icarids, you, you do have outs to that, so. So, up next, Chris Cool playing a deck that we came to know and I suppose love last season. <laughs> Planet Wall's Birthing Pod Shops list, and uh, he played against the former champ, Alberto Dolv, on a regular stacks list, and uh, the Birthing Pod Shops took that one down. Difficult for a traditional stacks build to be. I, I, I do want to rename that deck, though. I, I like the name The Pile. Shops <laughs> deck. And I mean, no disrespect to Planet Walls and Chris Cool. Obviously, it's an awesome deck and it's doing really well, but I think uh, The Pile synopsis that deck really well. The Pile. That's the Pile. A, yeah, I'll see if I can get on that, man. All right. Next up, we have got the Sadistic Black Doll on Good Game Old versus Doza Thog on Four Color Delver, and Doza Thog was able to win that. And Lastly, that's a, that's a pretty good match. Who's this last guy? I guess it's me. Some scrumpy. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the ultimate Helmline deck against yeah. Kurabo on Dredge. It's almost like having eight main hate helps you or something. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Another four on the sideboard just in case it's not enough. And it was Tur enough. Turbo had that coming, winning two daily events in a row. Yeah. He knew he had to run into some hate at some point. He into the worst fella he possibly <laughs> He tried to trick us by switching out of Affinity and going with Dredge and... Congratulations, though, Josh. I really do like the deck. Thank yeah. you. Okay, guys, so why don't we move into the round two pairings here and uh, take us away again there, Josh. So I am paired up against um, the Wild Dog, a clan mate, and he's on his Oath Storm list, so I haven't played my match yet. I imagine I have played it against him in the TP room, and, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. This is before you knew you were matched up, or? Yeah, this was, this was before, we, um, before the league or anything. Okay. Um, and I think it went one and one, and then it basically came down to, like, turn 15 or something like that, and one of us just had to draw, draw an out, and, and he managed to draw it first, but he could have gone either way. So I'd say it's probably around 50-50. It felt that way. Yeah, um, I really can see that. You guys both have a, likely the same amount of disruption and duresses and whatnot. And I think we're fairly equal in how quick we can combo out. We're both capable of a turn one combo, but it's not that... I think it's probably more likely for him than me, but... Yeah. And main deck Leyland of the Void and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace is not terrible for you here, Josh, because it does take away his spells from being able to be recurring them. Yeah. 
Like if I have a turn one, turn one ley line, he's probably at least a turn two combo deck then, so it sort of evens the playing field. Yeah. I think your best uh, best bet in that one is getting the Leyland in the Void and the Helm of Obedience down versus the Painter and Grindstone combo because the Painter activates the, the Oath of Druids in the absence of a Forbidden Orchard. Tis true. Okay. So, uh, who are you paired up against, Sternoth? I am paired up against Illskin on his Turbo Tez deck. Um, I actually was able to play that today, um, and I wound up taking that one down um, to one. And I mean, his deck was pretty fast. Uh, the first game we played, he actually got a turn one Tezzeret on the table, which. Oh, really? Yeah. That. I mean, I almost got past I just didn't have enough land and oh man that I just yeah it just overtook me so I couldn't do anything there and then the other two games abrupt decay really was the spotlight for me able to stop anything with um his vault key combo that he was doing um without the threat of the force of will so that was really nice well Andy you remember that replay I showed you in in one of MMOG's leagues when I was playing um that back to basics deck and I played out a turn one Tez and I think I had like gut shot back up to kill a revoker if he played one yes I remember that's the only <laughs> thing I've ever seen a Tezzer come out turn one but that's an awful thing for you to see on the table if you're sitting on the other side There's yeah it was nothing pretty, sweeter I, was, I didn't know what was going on at that point but I got through it well, that is nice. So you are 2-0 and now to start. I am. And Andy, you are matched up against Doza Theog on 4C Delver. Yeah, we Doza the Thog and I played this match yesterday. And it was, uh, it, it was an okay match. Round one was relatively uneventful. I was able to get a... Ulenveld Tracker on the table with a Knight of the Reliquary. And, you know, he, he, I think he's only actually running three, or excuse me, 11 main deck creatures, so he doesn't have a lot of offense or defense for that matter outside of his counter magic, and my Cavern of Souls was able to get my creatures onto the table, and that was that. And game two, he, cheat, he cheated a little bit on his land, he played a turn one steam vents, which he proceeded to leave untapped, taking two damage and didn't play anything, and that meant a wasteland. And the next turn he played a mountain, and that was the last land he played. Yeah. Was it called, a, what's it called there? The uh, one. Two one first. What? What? Two one first strike cost one more. I'm just drawing. Oh, Thalia, excuse me, I got a Thalia down on the table and was kind of able to build up from there. I got a Knight of the Reliquary down and he never was able to get more than a second land, so it was uh, unfortunate for him, but I was able to win that match 2-0 and yeah, I'm uh, also sitting 2-0 right now with my green white black hate. That, uh, that mountain in his deck is kind of scary to have in there with things like gushes and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. he always wants blue mana, so... 
Well, he's trying to give himself some protection from land destruction with that. Yeah, I would probably just play islands as my basics. But I guess I guess lightning bolt's a really big part of his deck, so... Well, I can say this for sure. Uh, in that second game, that was just rather unfortuitous for him. I, I think he went four or five turns, six turns, without drawing the land. I mean, we've all been there at some point playing Magic. It's uh, it's extremely awkward when it happens. I'm sure he was he had lots of gas in his hand. He just couldn't get a second land. So that's how that rolled out. So we are. 5-0 and on the podcast right now, so that is pretty impressive. I guess I'll have to see what I can do. The Wild Dog's a good opponent, though. Yeah, don't fail us, Josh. I'll try not, but... Well, I was talking about the other Josh. The Wild Dog. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> good luck to both of you. <laughs> so, oh, that okay. takes us into... Um, we had a couple of daily events fire this weekend as well. One on Saturday evening and one on Sunday morning. So you want to take us into the 4-0 deck on Saturday, Andy? You betcha, and that is Vichy Fellow. He is playing his traditional show build. He's got, he's got six, six creatures. There. We, we highlighted him last week on, the, our, uh, on our friend show, and he loves the channel bam and he was able to take it to the money at 4-0 this week i don't think there's anything uh, outside of the norm in this deck does he always run six creatures like that that's a ton that's a lot well not so bad when you have show and tells he's got four show and tells in his deck six is pretty good actually yeah i've never seen that many though one of the cards that i always wonder about and i'm not sure if it's the fishy fellow i've seen it in but I do not really like Demonic Consultation in this type of deck. I mean, I can see when you've got a show-and-tell and you, you absolutely need to hit something. But yeah, uh, I've, never... I've seen, seen people mill like 98% of their deck when they're casting a Demonic Consultation. I've seen yeah. Fishy Fellow do it to himself too in the TP room. Yeah. But I know Zach loved it in his Shoth build. I've never played it in a tournament, but... I mean, it's not terrible if you have four Emrakuls and that's what you're after. I mean, yeah. likely milling your entire deck is not very high. Well, yeah, I guess... It, I was going to say, I guess it's good because he has the four of on both the Emrakul and the show and tell, so he can get either piece of the combo there. But it, I, I wouldn't cast it if I was going for a one of. It's funny, there's only one Oath in this deck. There's two on the sideboard, but... I guess you guys with your green-white hate abrupt decay list is... It's knocking the actual Oath of Druids out of the format. I did not even notice that. That is a very interesting observation. So this is a different deck by him. Just based on show and tell. Very nice. So up next, uh, Lucindo, and he is on a Gushbond Delver list. It looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like a good list. I mean, I like to see Tarmogoyf back. 
relatively versatile. He's got, uh, life got all the sorts loan. of ways to win the game here. How about life on the loan? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of cool stuff he can do. Nice to see bond back in the money. Doesn't look like he can actually kill you with his gush bond. I would probably stick. Pure card draw. Yeah, I'd, if I have fast bun though, I'd probably add in a uh, like a empty the warrens or something like that. Draw kill. Yeah. Yeah, they're two different approaches to the deck, right? Card draw is is, uh, is a good win condition all on its own. But I hear you. I get greedy though. Up next, we had Chris Cool. Um, who was playing his version of like a green-black uh, deck. I uh, hate deck. It's it's really interesting, actually. Um, I don't know if you've talked about this one before with the skull clamps and the blood ghasts and um, comboing that off with the uh, veteran explorer getting the lands and all that. It's actually a really interesting de deck. Yes. Yeah, I think we talked about it the other week, but, uh, Andy's a huge fan. Well, I'm not that big a fan of it, but... Yeah, well, yeah, I think what you're referring to there, Josh, is the combo with the Skull Clamp and the Blood Ghast. I, yeah. I think that's excellent. I mean, you know, it just is, uh, you know, <laughs> unlimited card draw, basically, because you know you're drawing lands off that Skull Clamp, and it brings the Blood Ghast right back, and you just recur for one mana, so builds upon itself. But yeah, but it's, I mean, it's over multiple turns. Yep. To call it unlimited card draw is sort of... You don't need well, to get that stuff going right away. Disingenuous. But it's, it's like a gush without returning the lands to your hand. Yeah, but you can gush four times in a turn mm. and replay the lands. Well, I think, uh, I think this is a really innovative deck that he has here. It's uh, something that we've never seen in classic he's got all sorts of cards in here we haven't seen in a long time i mean a bigger pardon three eternal witnesses not as i haven't seen eternal witness in ages great card he's got uh, veteran explorers viridian shamans viridian zealots uh, i mean the abrupt decay we've talked we've talked about it an awful lot he's got cabal therapies to activate his uh explorers and it's a really neat deck. He's got Pernicious Deeds and Pulse's main deck. I can I really like it, Chris. It's a, this is what I would call a toolbox deck at its best. Well done. And Chris seems to put himself in the money over the last month quite frequently. So Every lots time. of innovation there. Those MTGO Academy boys are not messing around. Making us all look bad. So up next we've got X Shockwave X on a standstill build. Zero creatures, just uh, a whole lot of lands and standstills and only one Jace, which is not what we always see out of a deck like this. Yeah, this guy, Shockwave X, has been playing uh, this deck for as long as I can remember. And he plays it in both Legacy and Classic. And he always does well with it. Um, I've never seen him vary from this archetype, so he's pretty solid. I wonder if there's a reason for the ratchet bomb instead of engineered explosives. Does he have... 
Hurts Dredge pretty bad. With tokens, he's, anyways. He's only got one. Oh no, he's got two colors of land. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably play Engineer's Explosives. But, uh. Did well okay. enough for him. Next up, we've got God Mode Magic at 3 and 1. And we see. I think we saw him in the money a week ago or so. And he is playing an old school variant of Affinity. He's got the Seat of the Sonods, and he's got the, the Ravagers, the Cypher of the Vaults, and uh, the Neat Tech and Master of Ethereums, and Cranial, cranial Platings, excuse me. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a different build from what we're accustomed to with the, the Affinity builds we've been seeing re recently in the money. So, congratulations, Godmode Magic. I played him some in the uh, TP room. And the Disciple of the Vaults are actually really interesting on it. They can really hurt when you play a Serenity um, or something like that. Like, it can really just push it over the top. Like, he loses all his stuff, but he's already done a ton of damage, and then he has all of that coming on top of it. Yeah, yeah I can see that. He's been doing pretty well with this deck over the past several weeks. Doesn't matter what iteration of Affinity you're playing against, they're all just nasty. <laughs> It's almost like Arcbound Ravager is a broken card. <laughs> I think. It's <laughs> not banned back in the day in standard. So, then we had a Sunday morning event fire. And this was a bit of a strange event. We've only got four in the money because there was a bugged opponent where it would uh, it would pair you with a an opponent that wasn't actually there and then it would just run your clock and not let you do anything and you time out and uh, get DQ'd for an action from the tournament so I'd like to point out I was undefeated in this event uh, you were the first victim were you Josh on this one you had a you had a nice opening round and uh, I was the second. Uh, Grappling Farang actually got the bug match the first time. And I got it in round two. And Lucindo got it in round three, but he evidently won the die roll. <laughs> so it timed out the phantom opponent instead of him. So that's why we've only got four in the money. I've heard of that before. As I recall, in a premiere event about a year ago, I remember George saying something about that with the deck that he was playing or something like that. It was all a matter of who won the die roll and the other guy timed out. So, Well, his was due to, like, a, I think, like, Painter Servant was That's what it was, was, was Painter broken. Servant. You're actually running Painter Servant. You sure it wasn't you who bugged it? <laughs> I didn't run it in this event. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're off the hook. They fixed that bug, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, so Lucindo, he did get a buy, so I consider myself actually to have a more pure victory in this event than his. But, shameless, uh. Shameless advocation here. <laughs> he ran the same deck he did the day before and got to the uh, 4 0 spot. Very nice. Who do we got up here next, Justin? Next, uh, we had Lord Sapphire. Um, it looks like he was playing Metalworker Stacks. Um, 
Looks pretty standard to me for the most part. Um, guess able to take it down. Stafford in in there. Yeah. Stafford in love that card. Has he had the Forge Master in there the last few weeks when he's been running this trading post deck, Andy? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I think that's new tech for him. Much better with uh, the Power Nine in there, that's for sure. Also, nice to be able to get a Blight Steel, which he doesn't have. Sure enough. So, next so up here, we have the Maniac at 3 and 1. And it looks like he has brought his Green White Black Hate deck into the, into the money. And I believe this is the same deck that he's actually running in the Classic Quarterly. Yeah, he's got that splash for Dark Confidant. Yeah, so we talked about the deck into, uh, quite a bit earlier in the podcast, so we won't talk about it too much now, but very nice. And he was Lucindo's opponent in the finals. Oh, okay. Alright. So last up uh, is Chris Cool again, and uh, again with his veteran explorer deck so he's uh, he's making the money over and over with that thing I think that's probably the third time we've seen that deck in the money yeah Chris Cole's really lighting it up right now and it's uh, definitely hot in the classic season so we gotta get someone in here to unseat these uh, MTGO Academy guys I'm undefeated against them but they're undefeated against me <laughs> Well done, Chris Cool. Congratulations. So, speaking of MTGO Academy, in the spotlight this week is Planet Walls. So, and wh where's this guy live, Josh? So, this is AJ Goldman. I think Planet Walls is actually the content manager over at MTGO Academy. Is that right? Yeah, I believe he is. He's from Somerville, Massachusetts. Is that, in, uh, is that in South America? No, that's in the United States. <laughs> okay. That's a joke, folks. For all you Canadians out there. Uh, and how did he become an interesting classic? He mentioned he likes the fringe formats, uh, such as 100-card Singleton. And I think Chris Cool mentioned the same thing about Singleton. Um, he likes the swingy matches. And he finally decided to build a deck and commit to the tournament because of Enderfall over there, one of our clan mates, uh, helping to rebuild the community. And he doesn't want to see these strange and interesting formats uh, go extinct on Magic Online. So he's hoping that uh, they can start to uh, support some of these other neglected formats. That's awesome. Yeah, they've definitely uh, really helped breathe some life back into Classic, and we're, we're really grateful for that, and uh, they're, they're all doing well, so congratulations to those guys. And, they're and sponsors, Mr. but they uh, came over and they won everything they entered anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're, as I said, they're all doing excellent, and, uh, really showing us uh, Classic regulars that there is lots more life outside of the norm as to what we're playing, so... And they're they're really uh, bringing a lot of diversity into the league. So, well done, guys. And if 
Mr. Planet Walls can play any classic deck, what would it be, Josh? He said he's not going to stop piloting rogue lists until at least the tier 2 of the classic metagame has shifted to include only bad deck ideas that he's been storing in his brain's broom closet. So he's trying to uh, continue to build upon his Mirror Retriever junk, dri junk Diver Birthing Pod deck. Okay. And he's got some and suggestions for cards he might use there, but I, I'm afraid I'd have to look some of those up. <laughs> hey, I put nothing past these guys to put it into the money. Uh, what do you think an Allosaurus Rider is? Yeah, Allosaurus Rider. I'm not so sure about that fella. But so, what would Mr. Planet Wall's favorite MTGO accomplishment be? Whether it relates to the tournament play, deck innovation, or his community involvement. So he said, uh, as far as his tournament-related accomplishments, he uh, his favorite decision was playing Rug in 100-card Singleton with Scape Shift in the sideboard and a Burning Wish in the main deck, since. You never play that unless you got seven lands anyways. And he said if he's answering more seriously, he's proud to have committed or proud to have contributed to maintaining the consistency and integrity of MTGO Academy's front page since he started working there as content manager. And he says he really hopes that uh, they're creating something good for the community over there. Yeah. And I think they That's do a awesome. good job. Absolutely. Nice to have people like him coming around in the formats and helping with other formats as well. Yeah, it's good when you got guys that are just willing to jump into these things and commit as they have. And, you know, they not only have they played in events, but they also try and get more people interested. So it's pretty nice to see. So I think... Uh, Hopefully we'll have some feature matches in the article, or at least in next week's article. And uh, anything else you wanted to talk about, Justin or Andy? I think that sums it up. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, well, thanks for joining us on the show, Justin. Um, we need to thank Pure MTGO for hosting us and MTGO Academy for sponsoring us. MTGOTraders.com What did I say? <laughs> Yeah. See, these, these guys over at MTGO Academy are insidious, I'm telling you. Thank you, MTGO there. Academy, for Good sponsoring MTGO. the Qualifier League. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's nice to be See you in seven. Bye-bye. <laughs>